0: And in Genesis chapter 1, here's what we're going to discover this morning. We're going to discover that Jesus had a pretty dysfunctional family tree himself. Because, you know, that first family tree I showed, just kind of nice and neat, you know, and clean. But this is really more like who we are, you know. You, you, got, uh, you got amphetamine Amy over here and neglecting Nancy and promiscuous Priscilla and no-job Bob and Edna enabler and abusive Abe and Gertie gossip. You know, that looks more like some of our family trees, doesn't it? That we can relate to, but did you know that Jesus even had some knots on his own family tree? And, and I'm not going to mention all of them this morning, but, but I do want to just talk about a few of them. I want to talk about a few of the guys in Jesus' family tree and a few of the ladies in Jesus' family tree that I think will cause you to leave here today feeling a whole lot better about where you came from. And about the possibilities and the hope that comes through a relationship with God amen and the first person that I want to mention this morning that was a part of Jesus's family tree is a guy that 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 most of you are pretty well acquainted with his name is Abraham I mean he is a towering figure of faith in the Bible his name is mentioned over 300 times in scripture And he's he's one of the only ones that's mentioned in all four of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I mean, he is a towering figure of faith in the Bible. But when God first called Abraham, he wasn't a Jew. Abraham was a Gentile. Abraham was a pagan. Abraham lived in Babylon, Ur of the Chaldees. When God came seeking him he wasn't seeking God but God was seeking him and he told him to take his family and his belongings and to leave Ur of the Chaldees and go to a land that he had promised him that we later know as the land of Canaan and then a little later God would give Abraham and Sarah a promise that from their loins from his seed would eventually come the Messiah And the Bible says this, the Bible said that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. Now here's what that means. It means that the moment that Abraham believed God, a new family was formed. A new nation began, the nation of Israel, the Jewish nation began. And so now those Jews who believe in God, they look to Abraham as their father. And it's not just the Jews that do that. There are actually three major religions that look to Abraham as the father of their faith. There's Islam, there's Christianity, and there's Judaism. And all three of them look back to Abraham as their father. So even religions outside of Christianity understand what a towering figure of faith this man was. But let me tell you something, Abraham was also a sinful man who needed a savior. Because on two different occasions, you know the story, on two different occasions, he would lie, or he would have his wife lie for him to protect his own skin. You know, a couple of kings that he was afraid, if they know that you're my wife, they're going to kill me because you're so hot, you're so beautiful, they're going to kill me so that they can have you so instead of telling them that you're my wife, tell them you're my sister. And he does this to protect his own skin now you would think he would get away with that one time with Sarah but not twice not twice you would think she would look at him and say listen I was almost violated the first time you're not gonna do that to me again but on two separate occasions Abraham had his wife lie to protect his own skin he was a sinful man in need of a Savior and the Bible tells us that the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, and that Abraham begat Isaac, Isaac begat Jacob, Jacob begat Judah and his brothers, and I won't even begin to go into what these boys were all about. But there is another name that I want to mention this morning, and that's the God David. But well, we're, we're all pretty familiar with David. But he's listed in the family line of Jesus. And Matthew chapter 1 tells us that Obed, and we'll look at these a little later, Obed begot Jesse. Jesse begot David, the king. David, the king, begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. Notice, it identifies David as the king, and we know him as a king. We know him as a slayer of giants, but he too was also a sinful man who needed a savior. because all he did was when one of his soldiers by the name of Uriah was out on the battlefield fighting for the kingdom and for the king, David goes up on the roof of his house one night and he sees Uriah, that soldier, he sees his wife on the roof of the house next door bathing herself, and the Bible says that he lusts after her, he sins for her, he seduces her, he lays with her, and he impregnates her. And then trying to cover up his sin, he has Uriah brought in off of the battlefield and tries to get Uriah to go home that night to lay with his wife. But Uriah proves to be a man of much more character than David because Uriah said, how can I go and enjoy time with my wife when my brothers are out there on the battlefield fighting for the king and the kingdom, and I'm here? The next night, David said, I'm going to have to take this a little further here, and he gets Uriah drunk thinking well if I can get him drunk then he'll go be with his wife and I can blame this whole pregnancy thing on him But even in a drunken stupor Uriah refuses to do it and so David puts a message in Uriah's hand He goes back to the battlefield when he gets back to the battlefield He hands the message to Joab and here's what the message says He said I want you to put Uriah on the front lines of battle and when you engage the enemy I want you to pull back And I want you to leave Uriah there by himself to die. And that's exactly what happened. He devised a plan for Uriah to be murdered. David. That's that's another one of those that are in the line of Jesus. A liar, an adulterer, a murderer, breaking the commandments of God. But then another man that's mentioned in, in the family tree of Jesus is this guy, Joseph. And we're not talking about the joseph that had the dream you know that ended up second in command in egypt we're talking about joseph the earthly father of jesus and the bible tells us this that jacob begat joseph the husband of mary of whom was born jesus who is called christ now i want you to notice how this scripture identifies joseph it doesn't say the father of jesus it says the husband of mary why because he wasn't the biological father of jesus The Holy Spirit was the biological father of Jesus. But here's what God would do. God would choose a young man by the name of Joseph who was poor from a very rural area. His place where he lived was about the size of a one-car garage. He did not have a formal education, but God would say, I'm choosing you, Joseph, to be the earthly father to my son. And so here's what happens. Joseph adopts Jesus as his son and Joseph becomes the adoptive father of Jesus. Do you know what that's a picture of this morning? That is a picture of salvation That's a picture of God adopting you and me into his family and us now having an adoptive father who is God hallelujah amen And we see these kind of guys that show up in the family tree of Jesus, but then it gets really scandalous when you begin to look at the women that are mentioned and it's very unusual for women to even be mentioned in the genealogy of Christ this was not a matriarchal society this was a patriarchal society you didn't trace your lineage back through the women you traced the lineage back through men and so women were not even mentioned in genealogies until Jesus allowed women to be listed in his family tree the Holy Spirit lists These women in his family tree. And here's the first one that I want you to notice that's in the family tree of Jesus. Now listen, guys, this is Jesus we're talking about this morning. This is where he came from. And there's this lady called Tamar. And the Bible tells us in Matthew 1 and 3 that Judah begat Perez and Zerah. By Tamar, Judah. Oh, let's talk about Judah here for just a minute. Judah had two sons. One's name was Ur, and the other one was Onan. And Ur was so evil that God killed him. Now, you got to be pretty evil for God to get that ticked off at you. God wiped him off the face of the earth. And then once Ur was dead, it became Onan as the next oldest sibling. It became Onan's responsibility to marry Tamar to provide for her, to protect her, to care for her, to have children with her, and to make sure that she was being cared for. But Onan refused to have children with Tamar. And because he was disobedient to the command of the Lord, the Lord took care of him as well. And so here she is, a widow, and Judah says, well, I've got another son, but he's too young right now. Wait till he grows up. And she began to think, well, what if when he grows up, he's like his brothers? Or what if Judah changes his mind? And so here's what Tamar does. Tamar takes matters into her own hands. She dresses up like a prostitute. And she puts a veil over her face so that nobody will recognize who she is. And she goes out and she stands on the side of the road where she knows her father-in-law, Judah, is going to be passing by. And when Judah passes by, he propositions her. He's as sinful as she is. He propositions her. He lays with her, and she ends up getting pregnant, but he still doesn't know who she is. He doesn't know that was his daughter-in-law until later when he finds out that she's pregnant with twins, Perez and Zerah. Now, I'm going to tell you, this gets really Jerry (laughs) Springer-like because... Now, granddaddy is also daddy. Think about that. Judah, the father-in-law, the granddaddy is now the father and grandfather of Perez and Zerah. This is weird stuff we're talking about here this morning. And you thought you had a dysfunctional family tree. This is Jesus we're talking about. There's another woman mentioned in Jesus' family line, a woman by the name of Rahab. How many you have ever heard of Rahab before? Do, do you know, the Bible tells us in, in, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 5, that Solomon begat Boaz by Rahab. So we see that she's listed here in the family tree of Jesus. And do you know how the Bible describes Rahab when it introduces us to her? It describes her as Rahab the harlot. Rahab the prostitute. Because that's what she was. That's how she made a living. And when Joshua was getting ready to cross the Jordan to go into the promised land, he sent two spies into Jericho. These two spies end up in the house of Rahab. Don't ask me what they're doing there, but they're there. And these two spies show up in the house of Rahab. And while they're there in the house of Rahab, the king of Jericho comes saying, I heard that you've got two spies housed up in here. And do you know what she did? She hid them and lied about it. So now she is a lying harlot. But do you know what she does? She becomes a believer in the God of heaven and earth. (laughs) She becomes a believer. And she tells those two spies, I've heard about your God. I know how powerful your God is. And I know that sooner or later you guys are going to come in and you're going to overtake this city. And I want to make sure that my house is protected. And do you know what the spies told her to do? They said take a scarlet red cord and hang it in the window. And so when we see the scarlet red cord, we're going to pass by your house and you'll not be affected by this invasion. You know what that's a picture of? That's a picture of the blood of Jesus Christ that has been applied to somebody's life. And when the enemy sees the blood, he's got to pass on by Because my sins have already been judged and forgiven. (laughs) That's Rahab. But then there's this other woman that's mentioned in in, in Jesus' family tree. Her name is Ruth. And and Matthew tells us this. It says that Solomon begat Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begat Obed by Ruth. Well, in order to understand who Ruth really is, we got to go back to a guy by the name of Lot. How many of you have ever heard of Lot? You ever wonder why his name's called Lot? It's because he did a lot wrong. That's why his name is called Lot. He did a lot wrong. And one of the things he did wrong was when he took his family into a city called Sodom. And we know that that city was so wicked that God... Would end up destroying the wicked, but he would get Lot and his children out and his wife out Of course his wife was not able to leave without looking back and she was turned to a pillar of salt Lot ends up in the hills him and his two daughters And here's what his daughters think his daughters think this is the end of the world If we don't get pregnant and have children right now, we're never going to get pregnant and have children And so you know what they do these two girls they get their father drunk and have sex with their father One on one night, one on the next night. One gives birth to a son named Moab, another gives birth to a son named Ben-Ammi. One is the father of the Moabites, the other is the father of the Ammonites. And they were born out of an incestuous relationship. Let me tell you something about Ruth. Ruth, get this, was a Moabite. She was a product, she came from a family that was a product of an incestuous relationship. And she's living in Moab, but there's a family over in Bethlehem, Bethlehem means the house of bread. And there's a family in Bethlehem, Naomi, her husband, and her two sons. And there's a famine in Bethlehem, and they leave Bethlehem and they end up in Moab. The two sons marry women who are Moabites. One of Naomi's sons married Ruth. But then while they're there in Moab, the husband and the two sons die. And so Naomi and the two girls are widows. And Naomi looks at her two daughter-in-laws and she says to them, I'm going to go back to Bethlehem, but you stay here in Moab. One of the daughter-in-laws says, that's cool with me. I'll stay but Na- that's not what Ruth said Ruth looked at Naomi and she said wherever you go I'm gonna go wherever you trod I'm gonna trod. and your people will be my people and your God will be my God hallelujah and this Moabite woman Ruth that was a product of an incestuous relationships puts her faith and trust in the God of Israel and she is redeemed as a result the next old this kin for her was Boaz and what did Boaz do Boaz took her under his wing and he cared for her and he provided for her and he protected for her which tells me this it doesn't matter what kind of family you were born into what matters is have you been born again that's what matters it doesn't matter where you came from it just matters where you end up this morning somebody say amen to that Are you beginning to see some hope in your situation this morning I know I see hope in mine and there's another woman that's mentioned we've already talked about her her name was Bathsheba she's the one that had the adulterous relationship with David and Matthew said that David the king begat Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah all she did was have an affair on her husband while he was at war while he was at battle she had an affair with the king but how many of you know That God can take what the enemy meant for evil and he can bring something good out of it and later David and Bathsheba would have a son by the name of Solomon Solomon would give us three books of the Old Testament Ecclesiastes Proverbs and the Song of Solomon Solomon would be the one that would build the temple so that the presence of God would have a place to dwell. So you may be here this morning and maybe you've made a similar mistake in your own life. Maybe you've made a similar mistake in your own relationship. Can I tell you there is still hope for you today because God can take what the enemy meant for evil and he can turn it and he can bring good out of it. And somebody in this room here today, you need to know that no matter how you got here, you did not necessarily come from your parents you came through your parents you came from God there are no accidents in this house God has a divine purpose for every person that is seated here this morning under the sound of my voice and don't you let the enemy lie to you and tell you anything different amen and then finally there was Mary the mother biological mother of Jesus The Bible describes it like this, that Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. A teenage girl. That 700 years earlier, there'd been a prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, that this will be a sign to you, a virgin shall conceive and give birth to a child, and you are to name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The thing that's different about Mary is this. Mary was pure. Mary was holy. It doesn't mean that she was perfect, but she was holy. She was sincere in her worship of the Lord. And when the angel Gabriel came with the message that she would give birth to the Messiah, she received, she believed, she had faith in that word. But I think where Mary comes into play is this. She represents that person who lives for God. Who does what's right but then end up getting misunderstood and falsely accused things said about her that wasn't true you can only imagine what kind of things were said about her because here she is engaged to Joseph can you imagine that conversation (laughs) when Mary comes to Joseph and says I'm pregnant and Joseph's like How did it happen? Mary's like, you ain't gonna believe this. (laughs) But God's the father of this baby. Now that's why most people thought that Joseph was just a fool that was being conned by an adulterous woman. And Mary was so misunderstood, she was falsely accused. She was set aside but here we find her in the family tree of Jesus I want to ask you a couple of questions this morning and then the choir is going to come and, and sing number one here's here's the first question I want to ask you if you're here this morning did you come from a godly family did, did you come from a family that has a lineage a history of serving God If so, here's what I would say to you this morning. Keep it going. Continue it. Don't be the generation where there is a breakdown in that faith being carried from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. And then the second thing that I would say is this, and ask you this, is is that did you come from a godless family? Did you come from a embarrassing family, a sinful family, a shameful family, then know this, so did Jesus. And it didn't destroy him, and it doesn't have to destroy you. Amen? Not at all. And then here's the third thing this morning. If you've been hearing me talk and You can identify with the the guilt and the sin and the failures of some of these that I've talked to about this morning. Here's what I want you to understand. All of those people that I mentioned for you today, there was room for them in the family of God. In spite of their sin, in spite of their imperfection, in spite of their failures, in spite of the incest, in spite of the adultery, in spite of all of the murders, God still had room for them in his family. And I want you to know this morning, he has room for you. I don't care where you've come from I don't care what you've done I don't care what you've been mixed up in there is room for you in Jesus's family but then here's the fourth group I want to talk to it's that group of people that Matthew was actually speaking to in Matthew chapter 1 those people who claimed Abraham as their father And Basically, what they were saying was this we don't need grace. You don't have to talk to us about grace because grace is for them They're sinners Grace is for murderers and adulterers Don't you know where we came from? Don't you know who our father is our father is Abraham? Therefore we don't need grace we've never been in bondage we've never been unrighteous. And you see, the thing that got in their way was pride. They thought they were so good they didn't need to experience this kind of grace. But you know that the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter six, it says that there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are abomination to Him. And do you know what? What is at the very top of that list? Haughty eyes pride People who says oh, but pastor. I'm glad I didn't come from that kind of a lineage. I, I I'm glad my family wasn't like that. I, I'm glad my family didn't you know ha- have any failures no no adultery none none of that in My family. Well, I just got one thing to say to you: your family's probably more messed up than you think it is. They just hadn't told you yet They just been kind of keeping it on the down low right So it's probably more messed up than you think. And when you begin to dig into it and you begin to really get the history of it, you're gonna find out that you need grace as much as any other person on the face of the earth needs grace and that we are all sinners in need of a savior, amen? And at the very top of that list is pride, those that says, no, I don't need that kind of grace. You just don't know where I came from. You, you just don't know how, who my father was. You're still a sinner in need of a savior and he says it goes on and he says a lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood this is the same sins that we just recognized in those that I talked to you about from the family tree of Jesus a heart that devises wicked plans isn't that exactly what David did when he devised a wicked plan to have Uriah murdered? Heart that devises wicked plans, feet that hurry to run to evil, a lying witness who testifies falsely, and one who sows discord in a family. God hates those sins, but listen to me. He does not hate you. And he has provided a way by which those sins can be forgiven and forsaken once and for all. And you can become a part of the great Big family of God. Hallelujah. A part of His family tree. I invite you this morning that if you don't know Jesus, if you're not a part of that family, I think today would be a great day for you to come into the family of God by putting your trust in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. You are forever on high, your your dear Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you would, please. the sanctuary today with every head bowed and every eye closed I sense the presence of the Lord and the love of God in this room right now the Holy Spirit is convincing somebody that you are not so dysfunctional so sinful so much of a failure that there's no place for you in the family of God He doesn't call you because of those things, but he calls you in spite of those things. He doesn't allow those things in your life, that sin in your life, he doesn't allow it to keep you from being invited into his family. But if you're here this morning and you would say, Pastor, today, After hearing you talk about the family tree of Jesus and those that were a part of his family, those that were able to get into his family in spite of all that they were involved in, in spite of all that they did today, I realized that there's hope for me this Christmas season that I can be a part of the family of Jesus. And today, I want to be.